Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. So today is an exciting day in that there's uh, four individuals that will be getting baptized. And uh, to me, that's very exciting because we are talking about new life. Yeah, let's thank the Lord for that. And the decision, the decision that individuals make, in fact, each one of us makes a decision in our life regarding Jesus Christ and what we are going to do with Jesus Christ. And uh, so I would say most people in Canada uh, would know about Jesus Christ or know of him or, or have heard of him. Uh, or if they haven't heard of him, uh, maybe there was somebody swearing and using Jesus' name in vain. And they might say, who, who is this Jesus Christ? It seems like whenever you're upset, you use his name. So one way or another, it's interesting that of all the names you could possibly use, that anybody would use his name. We should not use his name in vain because his name is above all names. And um, so today, um, I want to I speak not just to those that are getting baptized this morning, but I want to speak to each and every one of us. And the amazing thing is, it's tying in with one of the Old Testament books, very short, two chapters long, a man by the name of Haggai, a prophet, so he would hear from God, he heard from God, and he spoke what he heard to the people at that time. And it was about the temple, the temple being built. And the temple at that point had been destroyed in 586, a very beautiful temple that was built for a number, uh, several hundreds of years. The, the temple was mobile, and it, and it, or it would move around during the 40 years, and then there was a spot that it was located at, but it was basically made out of the skins of animals. And there was this temple that had two parts to it. God had said, I want to meet with people. I want to, to be in people's lives. From the very beginning, his heart as he created Adam and Eve was for relationship with them. One decision made by Adam and Eve, one sin, and there was a separation from God because of one sin. They were aware of what they could or couldn't do in the, in the Garden of Eden. And God had said, hey, I want you to take care of, of the animals, take care of the garden. And, um, but there's one tree, there's this tree, it's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you to eat from that tree. Just leave that tree. You can eat of every other tree, but don't eat of that tree. And there was a, a temptation and deceiving by Satan, who was very real, that says, well, do you really think that God doesn't want you to have knowledge? There was a deception that took place for the sake of sin. Don't obey God. 
from that moment on, even after they sinned, and even as they were put out in the Garden of Eden, it says, the day that you sin, you will surely die. We have all sinned. We've all sinned. The day you sin, you will surely die. You will be separated from God. And that's exactly what happened that day. They died spiritually. And yet the heart of God all along from that, if you begin in Genesis and you read through the whole Old Testament, it was all about God desiring relationship with man. And to this day, it has not changed. There is a temple, a very beautiful temple built. And it was, it lasted for about 400 years. I, I might just throw in a few items here that, that were in that temple. How big it was, that kind of thing. But it was about being with the children of God. It was all about, the temple was where the, God would reside and he desired to have relationship with the Israelites. That temple was destroyed in 586 BC by the Babylonian Empire. And it was totally destroyed, right? The, the entire temple, beautiful temple, was destroyed and the foundation as well. And so here, this is what I, I want to read uh, a few things. And, and um, today I'm, I'm entitling the message, The Foundation, The Curse, and The Blessing. If your house doesn't have a good foundation, what will happen is, there's a settling that takes place as a, a building is built. If the foundation isn't good, you'll have cracks in the wall. There'll be water coming in through the walls. There's, there's work that will have to be done. But it's because of a poor foundation. In fact, for those of you that live here in Niagara Falls, have you seen how deep the foundation is for their building, uh, I think, on... Uh, is it Stanley and, and Lundy's Lane area or Ferry Street? Right on the corner, on Stanley. That hole that goes down, they're building this huge high rise there. The foundation goes down 30 or 40 feet. It's like there's a huge pit. They're trying to get down to the solid ground to, to pour the foundation because if they don't have solid ground, the foundation the rest of the building will not stand. You might say, Pastor, what does foundations of buildings have to do with their own life? It has to do with the fact that if our life isn't based on a solid foundation, when the storms come and the floodwaters raise and life beats against us, the wind beats against the house, if we don't have a solid foundation, we will be overcome by life. Some of you may be at that situation where you're saying, you know what, I am overcome. Like there's such storms in my life. We will have storms. We need a solid foundation. And we want to talk about this because the Old Testament, all of it points to the solution in the New Testament. And so for the 4,000 years before, if you start in Genesis right to the time that Jesus came, 2,000 years ago, 
is all about God desiring to have relationship with man and showing in different ways. And he's pointing to something that needs to be established in our life, a foundation to build a temple. And here, 586, the temple was destroyed. And there was another temple that was, the people were taken into captivity for 70 years. It already started in 605 BC. There was about 10,000 that were taken into captivity. And the rest of them were taken in about 586 BC. And they were in captivity for 70 years. And the amazing thing is, it was prophesied beforehand, hey, listen, be right with God. Live for him. The things that we can live apart from God or not, the choice is ours. And they chose to say, no, we want nothing to do with you, God. And it was for generation after generation after generation. And there was warning by the prophets, warning, 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 warning. And then the consequence, what God said would happen, happened. But he said, listen, I want to reestablish each generation, every generation, you need to make a decision for Christ. You can't say, well, my parents are, are followers of Jesus Christ, so I'm good as a child. You need to make your own decision. This morning, there are four individuals that said just, in the last while, they're saying, we want to follow Jesus. They made a decision about their foundation. We're going to get into this just quickly. So today I want to talk about the foundation. I want to talk about the curse. I want to talk about the blood. And I want to talk about the blessing. So if you have your Bibles with, with you, uh, Haggai chapter 2, verses 1. And here now they're saying, hey, listen. You need to rebuild the temple. They had started, and now it's been sitting for 16 years. They hadn't touched the temple. There was no work being done. And not, not even, just a little bit had been done. Not even the foundation was completed or done. And so for 16 years now, they, had, they, they were just, it was, nothing was happening. So in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai and, and the prophet saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah, and to, the, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, so the governor and the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory, the, the temple that Solomon had built 400 years prior? Did you, you remember that temple? He's asking, how, did you see, how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? And they're looking, there's like, where's the temple? And how can it, there were, there, there were those there that had remembered the temple from probably around 70 years prior. And they were recognizing, man, the temple was beautiful. You might say, how beautiful was it? Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 3, uh, 1 says, Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And he began to build on the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. So the fourth year that Solomon was king, the building began on the, on the temple. This is the foundation. This is the foundation. 
which Solomon laid for building the house of God. The length was 60 cubits. So you might say, how much is 60 cubits? It's a cubit is about the length of, of a man's fore, forehand or from the elbow right to the tip of the, the hand. And so they say it's somewhere between 18 inches or 20 inches in length, if you're going by inches. Uh, the, probably the royal uh, number would have been 20 inches. So the length of it was 60 cubits, which is about 100 feet, which is about, this sanctuary is about 50 feet, a little bit, so it would be twice the length of this. It was, the length was 60 cubits, the cubits according to the form measure, and the width 20 cubits. So it was about uh, 30, just over 30 feet wide. So maybe from me to the wall in width. So it was long, and there was a, a width of it. The height of it, are, let me just read some of the, the things of it. Uh, the, the vestibule that was in the front of the sanctuary was 20 cubits long across the width of the house, and the height was 120 feet. Like, I didn't recognize how, how tall this, this building was. Our, our church to the top is 42 feet, so it would have been almost, it would have been more than four times the height of our, our building. So this high structure, and now here's the, the things. He says it was overlaid with the inside with pure gold. I'll just read through something, uh, some of the things. There was cypress, uh, this wood, very precious wood that was paneled on the inside, and there were things carved on it, and it was overlaid with gold. So the entire inside of it was overlaid with gold, pure gold, uh, the finest of gold. There were precious stones that were inset into it. Uh, there were, there was an, uh, he also overlaid the house, the beams, the doorposts, its walls, its doors with gold. He carved these cherubims, these angels on the walls. Things were overlaid with gold. There was uh, two cherubim. Their hands were outstretched on the, touching one wall and like this. And, it, and then the other one, they're touching their wings right across the whole width of it. It was carved and it was overlaid with gold. There was um, on the outs or there, there was a veil that was sewn to divide the, the, into two sections. So the first section was where every all the work of, of ministry was done by the priests to make all of it was about the all the work that was done was always so that the people would be right before the Lord. You say, we say, well, God's a God of love. Yes, he is, but he is also a holy God. And we just can't come to God just any way we want, just say, well, you know what? I can come to God. God, God loves me, and he, I'm going to be a part, I'm going to be in heaven for the rest of my life with him because he loves me, because I'm not really that bad. One sin separated Adam and Eve from God, one sin. We've all sinned more than once. And so we're separated from God. And so the, the, the Old Testament, and I, you go through it and you say like, man, the stuff that had to be done so that there could be a meeting with God. In fact, there was only one day out of the year allowed for the high priest to go into this, this area where the, the Ark of the Covenant stood. 
in this one room that there was this veil that was sewn together. And it was, who knows how thick it was, maybe two inches, three inches thick, woven together with, with purple, it says here, uh, and, and uh, red and blue. And uh, so blue, purple, crimson, with the veil was made of fine linen, and there were cherubims woven into it. This was a, it took seven years to build the temple. It took 130,000 men to, to, to work for seven years. There was 3,000 watching over them, and there was not a single sound made when they put the temple together because everything was pre-made and formed away from the temple site. And so when they put the temple together, it was formed without the single sound of a hammer falling because everything was done outside. And that thing stood for 400 years. It was beautiful. At the front, I want to make mention of this. At the front, there were two pillars about 100 feet tall. So it would be more than twice the height of our building. And the name of the one on the right hand was Jachin. And the name of the other pillar on the left was Boaz. You say, why call him that? Jachin means, the, 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 the meaning of his name is, or of, this, of his name in the, of this pillar, is he, he will establish. He will establish, and Boaz means fleetness, or with quickness. He will establish with quickness. The change and the transformation that can take place in your life when you get the right foundation and there's a building that, that starts to happen can happen in a moment of time as you make a decision to allow Jesus into your life. I want you to know that. And the transformation is amazing. I know because I know what's happened in my life. And over my life, and I've mentioned it many times, seven years of age is when I gave my life to Jesus. It was the most important decision I have ever made, by far. Of all the decisions I could have made, that was the most important. Now, here's the thing. This, that temple of, of Solomon was totally destroyed. And you can see, why would, they, why would the Babylonians want to destroy the temple and take it apart? Why do you think? The place was full of gold. The amount of gold that was used, the value of it, who knows how many billions upon billions upon billions were just in gold. And so they're saying, oh, wow, we're taking the gold. We're taking this all out. The precious stones that are there, we're taking it all out. And now the Lord is saying, I want you to build. Again, there's a temple that needs to be built because it is about relationship. I want relationship with you. Listen, everything in the Old Testament points to something in the, in the New Testament that is of reality that is way more than a, a temple that is made out of stone or out of gold. In fact, the Lord says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world 
and lose his soul. Do you know how much God values you? Do you know, and you might say, I don't even know God, or I hate God, or I want nothing to do with God. And God values you and your soul more than all the value of all the wealth of all the earth combined is what he values you at. And he says, I want relationship with you. So to those that are getting baptized today, what you have received as a foundation, as we get, I'll get a little bit more into it, has been set up in your life. And I just say, thank you, Lord. There's a temple that has been built up. He established a temple in you. And it was established quickly. Do not stop there from being a continued building in your life. God wants to do some amazing things through you. Hallelujah. Verse 4, Haggai 2, 4, it says, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, this governor, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenant with you when you came out of Egypt hundreds of years before, so my soul or my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I, I was with you a thousand years prior almost when you came out of Egypt. It was almost a thousand years prior that they had come out of slavery. He says, I've been with you all along. To this day, do you, can I just say something regarding the Jews today? God loves them very much. And they have, they're still waiting. They have rejected, the majority of the Jewish people have rejected Jesus Christ as Messiah at this point. It says in one hour they will be saved. That is yet to come. Should the Lord come back today in seven years, they will receive him in one hour. And they will recognize the one that they pierced. The one they put on the cross is the Messiah because they rejected him 2,000 years ago. And here, this is, this, this is about four or 520 years or 30 years before Jesus came to the planet. The, God is still saying, but I want to have relationship. Build a temple. Build a temple. And so my spirit remains among you. Don't fear. Build a temple. And thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, verses 6 and 8 and 9, we're talking about not just that temple there, but we're talking about a temple that is still yet to be built. And when Jesus comes back, the desire of the nations thing is, what do you really desire? I think most of us would say, you know what? Wouldn't it be good just to have life and there's peace? There's no turmoil. There's no, there's no uh, discord amongst men. There's no wickedness. There's no evil. There's a love for one another. All of that, it comes and is through Jesus Christ. And by his spirit, there's a work that can be done on us. By his spirit, as there's a foundation laid and the building goes up quickly in our lives. And the things we can already experience, the desire of the nations in our own life.
which is Jesus Christ. He says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Yeah, you, you don't see the silver and gold in this temple that's going to be built like Solomon's. The glory of this latter temple, this temple, and the one that is still to come shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. I want peace. The, the heart of God is for peace. You might say, well, if God's in control of everything, why are we where we're at? You know, the biggest thing of our being in the image of God, we were created and made in his image. And the biggest thing that, that I would say the most God-like aspect of who we are in his image is free will. You have choice. You, you, we see creation. Animals do things by in, instinct. You wonder how can a butterfly go all the fly all the way from Canada down to, to Mexico, the monarch butterflies. How is that even possible? There's, it's done by instinct. It's been programmed in by God Almighty. But for you and I, he's given free will. And I want you to know today that with free will, there's a choice to love God and to serve him or to say, no, God, I'm going to do my own thing. And this is where the next part comes in. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, this is King Darius, a Persian king, the word of the, the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, and, and there's some two in interesting questions given here. If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with that edge of his, just of his garment, as he's carrying this meat that is used for sacrifice, for sacrifices, if it touches bread or stew, wine or oil or any food, will it become holy? Will these items become holy or is it still holy? And the priest answered and said, no. It is no longer holy. And Haggai said, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So if you, if there was, if you touched, and this is according to the law that was given hundreds of years, almost a thousand years prior. And law, God gave very strict things. You can read in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy. It talks about the blessings and the curses that would come as they, even you touch somebody that, that is dead, you have to go through a whole ceremony to be cleansed. And so the question is, if, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is this people. So is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of, our, of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. It's unclean. We're unclean. There's a curse. We need, you might say, what is it? What makes us unclean? It is sin. There is sin in our life, and we are unclean. We are defiled before God. It's like, what can take care of that? 
Listen to what it says in verses 15 to, to 19 as it closes off most of this chapter. And now carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days, before there's any, any stones laid for the temple, when one came to a heap of 20 ephahs, there were but 10. So there's this, this curse that there's no relationship with God. There's no desire to have relationship with God. And so when you, they, they, they would sow the land and it came to, to, to have a, a, a crop and they're expecting 20, 20 measures, there was only 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 baths from the press, so it's a, an amount. They're ex expecting, they, they harvest the vineyards, and they bring the, all the, the grapes into the, the vats, and they, there's a crushing, and the juice is flowing. This, this grape juice is flowing, and they're expecting 50 of this volume. From the press, there's only 20. There's, there's less. And he says, I struck you with blight and mildew and hail and all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Lord is saying, I, I, there's no blessing that can come. In fact, there's things that God is, is against us to say, come on, there's a chastising because you're not in the right place. And I listen, you as parents with children, you know that situation. You want relationship with your children. You want relationship with them, and they're, they're, they're not obeying. They're not honoring. They're not respecting. And so there's a chastisement that may come. There's consequences. Because the heart of a parent is, I just I want for you to do, be well off. I want you to do well, and I see you're off course. So come back. Be in the right place. This is what God is saying. Listen, you're my children, Israel, and you're going off. And I'm, I'm chastising you. I want you to come back to the right place. But listen to what it says in verse 18. Because if you read chapter 1, and if you haven't been here on Wednesday or last Sunday, check out Lighthouse Niagara. Check out the last two messages because they're all tied in with this message as well. He says, because of a decision they made, the prophet in chapter 1 says, hey, these are the things you were doing. You're saying, and God is saying, you're, you're not where you should be at. And these are things that are happening in your life. And when they heard it, there was a, a, a repentance. There was a turning of saying, oh, my goodness, this is truth. This is God speaking through the prophet Haggai, and we need to obey. And it says there was a fear of God that came, this reverence of God. We need to reverence God. We need to recognize who God is. And the Lord is saying, with that decision, there was already a change that was taking place. But listen to what it, he says. Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, we're talking on a spe specific day, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it, the foundation. On this day, the day that you started the foundation and laying the foundation, on this day, the blessing has begun. And he says... Is the seed still in the barn? Have you sown yet? No, you, you haven't even sown yet. And yet, as yet, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. But from this day, I will bless you. He's saying, I'm going to give blessing 
to you even before you see the harvest coming in. He's saying the harvest will be great and I will bless you. You know what? The heart of God is the same for each one of us. I want, I don't, I want to just quickly go over. You might say this foundation, how quick can it come? He will establish quickly. He will establish quickly. What is the foundation? How quickly can it come? Just quickly. According to the grace of God which was given to me, Paul. So Paul is writing this to a church in the city of Corinth. Corinth is a church or a city that still exists today. In the Middle East, you can go there. And so he had gone there. And so he's writing back to them. This is an, uh, a while back or a while later, he's writing back to them. And he's saying, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you want to have a foundation that will last for eternity. Listen to me. Listen to me. Because I'll tell you right now, the enemy is going to try to steal this word from you. We're talking about life now, and we're talking about life for eternity. You want to live forever with God? You want the things that are, are coming with God are beyond what we could imagine. As a believer, the things that are coming as an unbeliever, read Revelations chapter 6 through 19. You will get an inkling of what is coming. It hasn't happened yet, but could happen any at any time. We will not be here as believers for chapter 6 through 19. I would not want to be, I would not wish my, to my worst enemy to have to live through chapter 6 through 19. It hasn't happened yet. Jesus, our foundation, is able to, to see us through anything. It's not a physical thing we see, like in that old, the old temple that was being built. It's a spiritual thing that is being done by faith. Paul says in the previous chapter, he says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, when I came to you, Corinthians, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. I wasn't a great speaker or, or, or orator. I didn't come with excellence of speech, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's an expanding on this foundation. Jesus Christ and him crucified. His sacrifice. I was not with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Or I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. It was like, please, the way I see this, please accept the word that I'm giving you. I was with you, or, and my speech and my preaching was not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The Holy Spirit desires to fill the temple. 
And so he came in a demonstration of the spirit and the power of God that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man. You say, well, I'm an intellectual. This stuff here doesn't sound very intellectual. That your faith would not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God to transform you. I want to say this. One of the things that ex excites me most after a person has given their life to Jesus is the transformation that takes place in their life. It is established, as Jesus is established as your foundation, it happens so quickly. In fact, it, it can happen within a few moments where you are transformed. You are taken out of darkness and you are put into the marvelous light of, of Jesus Christ. You are going from death to life. You're going from hopelessness to hope. You're going from I'm all alone to the, the almighty God is within me in moments. That it would be so in your life. You keep your faith in Jesus Christ because all of us will go through storms. Every single one of us will go through a storm in life and not just once but many times over. And we feel the shaking. And oftentimes it's like, oh, man, I just got out of that one. Other times it's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't get out of this. And you can't because you are alone. You are without God. Your foundation, your life is the building. And there's no foundation that's solid. And so what's happening is the house is coming down. There's crumbling. Oftentimes, people, that's when they start to get into making decisions just to escape. You wonder why people become addicted to certain things. They're trying to, oftentimes, at first it might be, hey, I just want to have a good time. Other times, it's, it's there to the point we want to escape. If I can just escape for a short period of time and be out from the life that I'm living. And so they run here, they run there, doing this and they're doing that, and their life is crumbling or they're going around in circles, or they're in a rut, and that might be where you're at. And the Lord is saying, but I can establish quickly a foundation and that you will be pulled out of the situation that you're in. Praise God. And Jesus, when he began his ministry 2,000 years ago, he says, and he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and he says, this is how you get in. Repent. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is ha at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in the, go in the good news. You might say, what is repentance? Repentance, this is repentance. If I'm heading in this direction, I choose to make a, cho I cho make a choice, and I turn, and I, I do a 180, and I'm heading in the opposite direction. I'm heading from going to a place of destruction to a place of eternity with God. Praise God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.23, going back to 1 Corinthians 1. The power, you want the power and wisdom of God in your life? We preach Christ crucified to the Jews, the religious, a stumbling block. 
and to the Greeks, the intellectuals, foolishness. But to those who are called, whether you, you are a religious person or whether you are an intellectual, Christ, if you receive that foundation, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You want the power and wisdom of God in your life? Jesus Christ, you are my foundation. And the power and the wisdom of God start to come to you. Now, you, you have opportunity to receive it and to use it and to live by it or not. Free will. You say, and I say this to you young believers. Do the work of the Lord. Do the things that he would command you to do. It is good. It is good for all of us. It is good. Okay, just quickly. The curse. This thing of sin. There's a remedy. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul writes, I was determined you would know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know what crucifixion is? There's a cross and he was nailed to it. That was the, the form of, of death for those that were criminals, that were uh, coming against the government, the Roman Empire. And they would be crucified. Crucifixions happened regularly. And Jesus was one without sin who was crucified. The curse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You may say, Pastor, have you sinned? Yeah, many times. I need Jesus. Daily. Daily, I remember what he did for me on the cross. We've all sinned. We've all fall short of the glory of God. And here's the, the, the curse and the, and the consequences of sin. For the wages, the payment. All of us, if we're working, we get a wage. We work and we get a wage. Do you know what the wage for sin is? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The payment for our sin is eternal separation from God. But in that same sentence, he says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You get that foundation of Jesus Christ, and it can happen quickly. And you can be established. I just want to quickly go through a few things uh, of the benefits of Jesus' blood. And I just want you to know, these are Jesus' words. You probably know this, John 3, 16. But I want to read also right to 21. Because oftentimes we just read the first one and say, well, God loves me. And he does. But listen to, to the thing of the curse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Perish means to be, to die, to be lost. And eternally. God doesn't want that. But as we believe in Jesus Christ, we can have, we, we should not perish, but we would have everlasting life. Now listen to the next few verses. Here's the issue with sin. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Saved from our sins. He who believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. This is Jesus speaking. 
because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This morning, there's a confession of faith. I believe in Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. They're, they're confessing it even in water baptism. This, this symbol, going into the water, is like Jesus when he was baptized. He says, I got to be baptized that all righteousness would be fulfilled. For righteousness to be fulfilled, Jesus had to go to the cross. Water baptism is a symbol of going to the cross and dying on the cross, and, and he was buried for going under, and he rose again on the third day. We are making a public confession today of Jesus' death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection, and he came he was resurrected to, to new life, and we, too, are resurrected to new life when we believe in Jesus Christ. This is an outward sign of what has already happened for some a number of months ago already, for some just recently. For some of you, it happened years ago. But water baptism is a public confession of what you believe, Jesus Christ and him crucified for me, his death, his burial, and his resurrection because he had all power and authority is his. So this word says that we need to believe in the, in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And here's the condemnation. This is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. That's why sometimes... There's a, a deep conviction that comes as, as people come into the house of the Lord and they know they're not in the right place. It's like, oh, my goodness, there's a conviction. I need to get into the right place. I need to have this, my sins dealt with. And if we don't, if we rather hang on to it, it says everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light and says, man, I see myself in the light. This needs to be cleaned away. That his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Let the deeds be taken care of, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, what takes care of the curse? It is the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. Thank you, Jesus for dying on a cross for me. If it wasn't for what you did on the cross for me, I would not be here and I would be lost and I would be separated from God for eternity. I say thank you for the blood that takes care of the curse. The curse is that the wages of my sin is death and I should be separated from God for eternity, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it was by his sacrifice for us, it was his blood shed for us, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We, we might be trying to be a good person, and in due time it says Christ died for the ungodly. For even scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his, love to, his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, listen, Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 
So the wrath of God would say, your payment for sin, and not just once, here, the books will be opened. If it's not been taken care of by the blood, the books will be opened, and every single sin that we committed or everything we should have done and we didn't do, this sin of omission, everything jotted down, it will be a legal court proceeding. And if it hasn't been taken care of by Jesus Christ while you were still living, we will be guilty, 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 guilty. You know yourself, I know myself, guilty, guilty, guilty. But the Lord has said, as we put the foundation of Jesus Christ, and we say, Lord, yeah, I'm a sinner. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. It says we are justified by his blood. You want to, sit, you want to know what justified means? It's a legal uh, term. It's a court term to be justified. It's basically you've been made right before God. You're, you're in right standing. You're in right standing with God. Justified how? By his blood, by his sacrifice. And, it, and already when they started beating him and they tore his beard, ripped his beard out by, by their hands and they were scourging him. They put the thorn of, 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 or the crown of thorns on his head. The blood began to flow. And even as he carried the cross and he couldn't carry the cross anymore because he was too weak because of the scourging, and the loss of blood, somebody else carried the cross the rest of the way. And when Jesus got there, he willingly lay down on the cross. And he allowed them, he didn't fight them one bit. He laid down his life as the Lamb of God to be slain. And they beat those nails into his hands and into his feet. And he lay there and he took it. And they raised him up. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was raised up. At 12 o'clock, all the sin of mankind was put on him, and it became dark. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me as God the Father? He knew this was coming, and he turns away. I can't even watch my son take the sins of all of mankind from the beginning, from Adam, right to the last person that would be born. Every single sin my son took the punishment so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Our sins washed away and cleansed and we can have life in him and through him. And people say, I don't want Jesus. This morning we say, oh man, I've got Jesus as a foundation. He's in my life. I thank him every day. Jesus Christ and him crucified Daily, I'm reminded Jesus Christ and him crucified for me. His blood shed for me. Thank you, Jesus. I am justified by his blood. I am saved from wrath through him. I'm just going to read these off, all of them. I've got scriptures. I want to read, the, I just want to read the, the benefits of the blood. We're saved from wrath. We're reconciled to God. We have relationship with God. We have, we have, man, there is something, I'll tell you, to not have relationship with somebody that you love is a terrible thing. And God loves us so much, and we say, no, I reject you. I reject you, God. 
And God is, is grieving. He desires for there to be relationship with him, to be reconciled with him. He wants relationship with you. This morning, there's a confession of four individuals saying, we have relationship with Jesus. We have re we've been reconciled. You have been reconciled. You have been reconciled with God. You have relationship with, relationship with him, and he loves you. And for Revelations 1, verse 5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, he overcame death, he overcame hell, and he overcame the power and the consequences of sin in life, and he is the ruler over the kings of the earth. And to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he loves you. And he's washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And amen. The King of kings and Lord of lords. The name that is above every name. The name that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is saying, I have made you to be kings and priests. I want you to be a royal priesthood. I want you to be those that would go out and minister to others in authority. I want you to minister to me. A king has authority. A priest ministers. So we minister in authority as believers. He says, I've made you a royal priesthood. I've made you a, a priest that you would proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, to go from darkness, and it's like, I'm just doing the best that I can, and we think we've got it figured out with our eyes wide open, and we see nothing. And we're going, we don't even realize that there are people without Jesus, without Jesus, listen to me, without Jesus, you are headed for an eternity apart from God. There is no way out. Once you are dead, there is no way out. That you would make a decision while you live, even today, that you would make a decision. Some of you have walked away from God or God is like, whatever. I just go through the motions. That you would get to a place, I need to get things right. His blood cleanses us. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness by his blood. Just as we just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I am a sinner. And instantly, as that confession goes up to, to God, there is a cleansing that takes place immediately. He will establish quickly. He will establish quickly the pillars that stood before the temple, their names, he will establish quickly. We have peace with God. I like what it says. It talks about this in Colossians 1, 19 to 23. Oh, I do want to read this passage. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. In Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead should dwell. And by him, by Jesus, to reconcile... To bring into relationship all things to himself by Jesus, by him, 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Once again, there it is, the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. We were far, we were alienated, we were apart from God, we were enemies in our mind and by our wicked works, and now we are reconciled as we come to him in the body of his flesh through death. So through his body that was broken, through death. Listen, to present you and I holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Can I just say this? I haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. But in the eyes of the Father, the blood of Jesus on me, as my faith remains in Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross, the blood of Jesus is what the Father sees. And what he sees then is that which is holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Just like God was saying, there, you have no foundation. You haven't established the foundation. And so all the things, you are, you are defiled in my sight. All the things you might try to do, you're defiled. doesn't matter what you do. There's no foundation. Let the foundation of Jesus Christ be in your life so that even as you allow him in, that you become holy. You are presented to God, holy, blameless, and above reproach. And you want to remain there? Let me tell you how. Verse 23, Colossians 1, 23. If indeed, if indeed, you continue in the faith. In what? The faith. Not a faith, the faith. And the faith is this. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me read it again. If you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to let go of that faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross and are moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. You will be presented holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. The blood of Jesus allows us to go into the presence of God. The priest could not come into the Holy of Holies except by the blood. Nothing has changed. We come into the presence of God. Let's not come in dirty, but let's come in. I come in by the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ, and I can come into the presence of God. The, the, the blood also helps us to overcome Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives even to the, to the death. Praise God. And then the blessing comes. The Lord says, on this day, you have established a foundation. Don't let go of Jesus Christ. And now the blessing comes. He says, I declare a blessing on this day because of your foundation. It has begun. It is there and now the blessing comes. You might say, what is the blessing? And I'm just going to ask those that are getting baptized, if you could just come and sit up on these, these four chairs in the front. And as they're coming, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame from before him in love. 
having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. He's saying, you know what? This, the Jesus and who he is, is given to you. It was predestined before time began that Jesus would go to the cross. And as we grab a hold of it, we become children, sons of God. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times as we would get. As we carry on as we would go on. To eternity, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have attained an inheritance, being predestined, that means beforehand, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to praise of his glory. The Lord rejoices in you. Can I say this to you for the Lord rejoices in the decision you've made? There's a gladness. And there's a praise between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit saying, it is so good that Justin and uh, Matt and Hope and Jonathan have given their life to Jesus. And we know nothing, all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. All things will work out as you love God and you submit to his purpose. And he says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You have God in your lives. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave his son as a sacrifice for you, and he's saying, you better believe I'm going to take care of you as well. I'm going to take care of you. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? You are God's elect. It is God who justifies, who makes you right. Who is he who condemns? Satan would condemn. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Even in the face of death, even if we f should face death, even if we should be killed, verse 37 says, then yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Hey, Lighthouse family, thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.